Let us open our Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, I'll read the verses 21 to 31. We have come to the last part of this section this morning. We'll preach this morning on verses 27 and 31. But I'll read to you from verse 21 of Romans chapter 3, which is part of God's precious, holy, and living word. This is what it says. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles only? Also, yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Let us pray that God would open his mouth and speak to us in the explanation. Heavenly Father, we pray that by your Spirit, you make known to us this morning your precious and holy word. For Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved, what binds the church together as one? What is the Christian life like? Or what does a Christian live by? The Apostle Paul tells us in our text that there is no boasting in the Christian life, none whatsoever. No one in the church should go around and say, look at me, I have done something great. I am a very good person and I have done a very wonderful work. The Apostle Paul says when a person truly becomes a Christian, he is no longer boasting about something he has done or about a religion he has kept. He has entered something new, a new way of life where there is no boasting whatsoever, where no one would puff up their chest and say, look at me, boasting is completely Excluded. Listen to his words in verse 27, that what becomes of our boasting? You can almost hear it say as though there is a group mentality that says, we like our boasting. We like to be a, a, a raised people who are a glorious people, who stand out as, as a city on a hill that everybody looks to and say, wow, look at those people. 
And so Paul says, then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. It's not welcome in the Christian life. It doesn't fit with what God has done. Then he says that what kind of law by a law of works? Has the law, the works of the law, excluded our boasting? No, but by the law of faith. Boasting is excluded when we no longer seek to justify ourselves by our own works and our own righteous life, but when we begin to trust in Jesus Christ. The Christian life is a life that we no longer seek to approach God by our own actions, but by faith, trusting Him that He will allow us into His presence but by what He has done. And so as Christians, we are totally different from every other religion in the world. And not because we are different, but because God has revealed to us the way of life. We don't go and say, well, I've prayed seven times a day, or I've fasted an entire month, or I have I've done this many petitions, or I've done this many good works, or, or I've given my money to the poor. All of that we've left behind. We exchanged it all for one simple truth. I trust in what God has done through Jesus Christ for me. That's the motto of the Christian life. It is Christ. I follow Him. I trust in Him. If you look at me and you strip away Christ, you have nothing that is valuable. But because I am clothed in Christ... I am completely righteous and I can walk where angels dare not to tread. It is all received simply and wonderfully by faith. And then the whole focus of life switches. There's a tendency in every Christian church as children grow up to look of how well the elderly live, of things they do and don't do, of the music they don't listen to, and, and what they do on Sunday, and the works they do, and the diligence of the people that they don't get paid. There is a tendency for a young generation to look at that and say, that's how I become a Christian. When I serve, when I no longer do this, but I do that, When I go in these rules and follow those regulations, that's how I become a Christian. There's a tendency to walk in that path, to follow after those ways and say, well, I follow in those same paths. I externally do the same things that my parents and my grandparents do. I go twice to church on Sunday. I give 10% of my offering to the church. I come faithfully to other places whenever I can. Uh, When I become of age, I become an elder or deacon, depending on my personality. And so I grow up and do what my ancestors have done. But the tendency is to think that because you do the same things, you're acceptable before God. It's in every church, it's a tendency because we can see what faith might work in somebody else's life. And what we try to do is follow that life and then think we're in the same place. The Bible tells us, Paul tells us, it's not like that at all. 
The works are only the fruit, but never the cause of salvation. What people do as Christians is not why they're justified. It's because they're justified that they do these things. We love serving the Lord, not to earn, but to say thank you. To walk in the ways that God has already paid for us. And so, then the question that Paul answers, of course, in the book of Romans, he's been splitting up the world, hasn't he? You got the Gentiles, and then you got the Jews. The Gentiles are lost, they don't have the law. But then the Jews are also lost because they have the law and it condemns them. And so he says this in verse 30 Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised, through faith. In other words, it brings all God's people together, Jews and Gentiles, the Apostle Paul and us. Even Jesus Christ Himself is brought together through one thing, through faith. He brings us together through faith. The Jews who have the law, the law brings them to faith. And for us who don't have the law and we see our sins and our unrighteousness, we are brought to God by our faith, through our faith. And so Paul says, then what about the law? Do we say that the law is wrong? After all, it's right in the text, isn't it? By a law of works, in verse 28, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. That sounds like we've given the law out. Right? I mean, we no longer follow the law. We are saved apart from the works of the law. And are we saying God's plan A failed? The law is useless and it cannot help us. What about the law? What is Paul saying here? How can you first say that we do not follow the works of the law and then say that we uphold the law? In chapter 2, he has repeatedly said, those who try to keep the law are breaking the law. And so how can Paul say that on the one hand he upholds the law, while on the other hand he says that we're saved without the law? What is he saying? Well, the answer is quite simply this. No one can uphold the law in his own strength, and yet we need the righteousness of the law. We can't do it because we are flesh. We break the law, even as a Christian. You cannot keep the law. But the law is spiritual, and God knows this. He knows that none of us can keep the law in our own strength. He knew when he gave the law to the time in the time of Moses that none of them could keep the law. So how can we fulfill the law? By faith. And we fulfill and uphold what Paul is saying. We don't just dismiss the law. We come back to the purpose of the law. We are actually approaching the law the way God intended it to be approached. And it's in two ways. First of all, by faith we trust in Jesus Christ fulfilling the law perfectly. 
We uphold the law by faith as we receive the perfect law-keeping of Jesus Christ. We completely fulfill the law. But then secondly, Paul realized that we could not keep it in the flesh. But there is a way that we can fulfill in actual daily life more and more the righteousness of God's law. And it's by faith in the Son of God. So that we look to God by faith. We look to the lawgiver, Jesus Christ, by faith. And as we look to Him, we are transformed by the Holy Spirit. And so we're no longer looking at the law, but now we're looking at Christ. And as we look at Christ, His life becomes our life. His righteousness becomes our righteousness, and we begin to fulfill the law of God. And so to bring this all together, the church then is the community of faith in which righteousness is received by faith and walked in through faith. For those who walk by the law of faith, by the way, did you notice the wording there? I don't want to give everything away because we're going to have Romans 6 and 7 and the first part of 8 to deal with this more in depth. But do you see that Paul paints two pictures? You have the law of works and the law of faith. And he says we're out of the law of works. We're now into the law of faith. We'll get back to that when we get in Romans 6. So, So Paul says for those who walk by this new law, this new life, this new principle of faith... We will fulfill the righteousness of God. This is all over the Old Testament. It's not just justification. It's living the righteousness of God to live by love and not by the flesh. This is not, I'm going to keep these 600 and so many laws individually as kind of a... a, um, goal in which I need to try to fulfill them all. But this is a new life that God intended for us to live. The life of the spiritual believer. The life of following after Jesus Christ. Now let me emphasize that before we move on. Beloved, are you a person who follows the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you a person who day by day not as not stuck in, I need to do this and do that to earn something for God, but joyfully follow after the Lord Jesus Christ, getting to know Him better and better as your life goes on, as you see Him more clearly day after day. That's the Christian life. It is in Christ. Boasting is excluded. As so many times, and you see this in the book of Galatians, people begin very well. Paul says in Galatians 3, they saw Jesus Christ crucified in the sermons. They began by faith. They received the Holy Spirit through the gospel. And then they thought, that was a great start. Now let me go back to my former strategy and trying to do it by my own strength and to go back to the law and try to work it in my own power to see how far I can exceed what has been started. If you say you have no idea what I'm talking about, it is very likely that you're in the midst of it. Where Christianity has become, in the beginning, faith, but now you're holding on by your own bootstraps and you're trying to do this Christian life. 
You're trying to be holy and you're trying to be righteous and you're trying to pray and you're trying to read. You're trying to serve and it's sweat and tears and you're walking up a steep mountain. Now, we are supposed to go on that mountain, but not by our own strength, but by seeing, believing, and following the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the Christian life. That in the midst of our hardships, which don't change as a Christian, we still face hardships. Now we serve Christ as we walk. And so the most important part of the Christian life is your faith in Jesus Christ. Not if you make all the standards which we here think are godliness. To walk after Jesus Christ will change the inside and then the outside. Have you ever met somebody who's changed the outside but not the inside? It's a very ugly thing, isn't it? Because what happens is if you've changed the outside without the inside, you're proud and arrogant when you look at others and you say, You have not reached to my heights. You're boasting. I wish everyone here was as wonderful a Christian as I am. You see how that stinks? Because it's rotten on the inside. And so if you find yourself and you see other brothers and sisters, let's say you see a a young man just come to know the Lord and, and he is cutting off sins left and right and you look at him and you say, well, he hasn't reached to my heights. You see a sister, you see her make a mistake, you say, well, I'm thankful I'm not like her. You go to another sister and you whisper in her ear, she got a long way to grow. Till she, of course you don't say it, but what you mean to say is, until she is like us. You see that? That's the law of works. And it's boasting. Whenever you boast, whether it's in your heart or with your lips, you have gone away or veered away from the law of faith and gone back into the law of works. The Christian church, in its nature, is to be the best place on earth. A place filled with love, a place filled with humility, and a place filled with unity. Because we're a people of faith. So let's begin with this first one. The, laws, the law of faith's fruit of love. The law of God commands us to love one another. It's not a new commandment to love one another. And yet John says it is a new commandment. Well, that's confusing. Right? We talk with, in Ben's class, you talk about the law of non-contradiction. Right? Something cannot be true and false in the same time, in the same way, in the same manner. Something cannot be true and untrue in the same way at the same time. That would be a contradiction. I cannot be both a man and not a man at the same time, in the same way, in the same place. If I am saying, Noah is my son, I am his father, I cannot be his father and not his father at the same time, in the same way. So how can the law say, love one another? And at the same time say, This is new and this is old. Doesn't make sense. 
if all, that's all we have. Let me read it to you. First John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. This is new and old. Now this is the difference. In the Old Testament, it was a commandment without the ability to give what it commands. In the Old Testament, the law says you must love one another. But it cannot give you the strength to love one another. But in the new, when we are born of God, we receive the same commandment. And yet that is new because with the commandment comes the strength to do it. You see, if you are with your coach and he's a very strict coach and he says jump over that wall and you jump but you can't make it. And then a day after, you go there with your father, and he stands by the wall and he says, jump over, over the wall. And as you come running, he gives you up and he gets you over the wall. It's the same commandment. But it's different. It's new. Because now there is one who gives us the love in our hearts to love one another. If we live by faith. Do you see how important faith is in the Christian life? I think in the Reformation, the churches that flow from the Reformation, we have a tendency to get justification very clear. Uh, we, we talk about tulip and justification and, and all of those things. We know those chapters in the book of Romans. But then faith becomes this, some days you might have strong faith. Some, it's kind of like a, it's up to you if you have it. You need, to be, you need to have faith that you're saved. But then after that, it's kind of a, yeah, well, we can't be perfect anyway. We got to keep growing, so I got to at least put 50% of my faith in there. But at the same time, I'm just living my life until one day I'm glorified. And by the way, what's the difference if I am 80% glorified or 40% glorified once I come to know the Lord? It's 100% anyway. So what's the big deal? That's completely wrong. Because the Christian life is a life of faith. And unless we want to go through life scarred and enter into heaven as though through a fire with losing everything, we need to learn what it means to live by faith day by day. To see Christ better and better whenever we come together, that this will be a community of total love towards one another. And you can't do it. You're very nice people. But even you cannot love one another Perfectly as Christ calls us to. You're going to run out. You're going to form little groups and say, well, these are my friends, but I don't really deal well with those people over there. And so we say to one another, oh, we love one another, but what we have done, if we have created many churches within this small gathering and say, I love these people, they love them, and we're loving people. But that's not the Christian life. The Christian life is to love all of the other brothers and sisters. Not because of personality, but because of Christ. To love by faith. Beloved, this is a local body. I'm not speaking about the building, but the people. 
It upholds the law of faith. For it sees God through faith. That's the most important part of any church and the church worldwide. To live by faith. Beloved, sometimes it just tears my heart to think of how easily we're sidetracked to other things. To think the Christian life is faith and then add a few more things. Or we see someone in something, something in someone else and say, I wish I was like that. And then we try really hard by our own strength to be like him or her. But a true love does not come from our effort. But it comes from our faith. It comes from Christ. That's good news. Because you don't have what it takes to love as you're called to love. I don't have what it takes. If you would say, okay, let's see how well you do without Christ. You'd be ashamed that I ever stood here. I am dependent on Christ and you're dependent on Christ. So let's be careful that we never take another identity except that we're the people who follow Jesus Christ. Listen to the words of a Dutch pastor that was cast out and couldn't find a church in the Netherlands and ended up in Germany. His name is Hermann Friedrich Kohlbrugge. He says this, We are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. And this sanctification, it is a comfort to know, is a sanctification we may safely confide in. Because it is widely different from the self-sanctification. Now listen carefully. He's making a distinction. The sanctification by faith versus the self-sanctification. Then he could describe self-sanctification. The fleshly holiness or willful separation to which he that runneth and he that willeth addicts himself in order that the idol of self may be magnified and worshipped. You see that? What he is saying is very true. And you see it in the New Testament come again and again. Where people go back to their own flesh and their own strength and say, I need to become a wonderful Christian. I need to become like this great man or this great woman or my grandfather or my grandmother or, or that one. I need to become this great Christian. That's a fleshly holiness. But the true sanctification is by faith. Not trusting what you can become, but in trusting what Christ can make you for His glory and His honor. It takes a knife and it cuts it in the heart of the flesh. And it trusts upon Jesus Christ. As Paul says... I die daily. I am crucified with Christ. Yet no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. Do you live in that reality, brothers and sisters? That reality of, I've been crucified. There's nothing I can do. Whatever I try, it stings. Because even if it's good externally, it stings. Because it's, it's rottenness in the heart. But then... When I'm broken and I look at Christ, something pure and wonderful is happening in me. He's cleansing my heart. 
There's nothing even to boast about it. And it causes me to love my brothers and sisters, to, to weep with those who weep, and to, to rejoice with those who rejoice, and, and to mourn with those who mourn. Where does it come from? Heaven. It comes from heaven. That is the Christian life. Well, let's bring us to our second point, the law of faith's fruit of humility. If you look at the church fathers and through the Middle Ages, humility is emphasized again and again. Paul speaks about it here in Romans 3.27, that what becomes of our boasting, it is excluded. Beloved, dead religion leads to pride and strife. It leads to churches walking after the flesh, being filled with arrogance and pride. Because you seek to serve God and honor Him by the very best you can do. And so obviously, whatever you succeed in is your reward. There's a tendency for us to begin with faith and then continue in the flesh. How often, not spoken, but have you thought... I've done that pretty well. Or I'm not like him or her. That's boasting. It's as though you speak with a megaphone before the throne of God and say, You better look at me. Watch what I can do. You gave me a good start, but now look at me. I am so good. I'm much better than the other ones. So you're going to work yourself about externals and say, well, look at me, look how I'm dressed. Look at the words I pray with. They're far more honorable than those over there. Look at the songs I love and the songs they love. Look at my children and their children. Look at the books I read and the books that they read. Look how well, how many Bible answers I know and how few they know. Well, look at her. She just gossiped. That's so far below me. I would never say what I think to someone else. Look at him. He's just a simple guy with a simple prayers and a simple faith. He doesn't know. He's never read Calvin or Luther or the Puritans or this latest book or that. Well, look at him or her. I bet that his greatest dream is to be like me. That's the flesh. That's not living by faith. That's the kind of people that God will spit out of his mouth. To speak biblical terms. Listen to how Paul describes this in 1 Corinthians 1, 21-31. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. You hear that? So that no human being might boast before God. He's so sick and tired of people boasting about themselves. He wants nothing of that. It disgusts the heart of God. 
And then verse 30, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness, sanctification and redemption. Do you hear that? So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. That's the Christian. That's the Christian. Do you hear that? That you are in Christ Jesus, who that Jesus became to us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification and redemption. That's the Christian life. My friend, how do you live the way you live? Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, he paid for my sin. Okay, okay, but how do you live now? Where do you get the wisdom from? Jesus. He's my wisdom. Okay, okay. How about sanctification? How do you sanctify yourself the way you do? Jesus. Jesus. Because Jesus is my wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. I have nothing else but Jesus. There's nothing I can show that is not Jesus. Now, if you ask me, why do you still make mistakes? But then it's me. Well, when I look away from Jesus. If you ask me why you still have some boast in your heart, that that's me. Well, when I don't follow the wisdom of Jesus, then that's me. Then we can talk about me. If you talk about the bad stuff, sure. Then we can talk about me and my bad stuff. But if you talk about anything good, it's Jesus. And so my whole goal is that those bad things will be brought to Jesus so that he might do something with it. It's all Jesus. It's not complicated from our part. He's the creator of the world. Nothing is complicated to him. And so we must live out of him. Sometimes these children pictures are so helpful, aren't they? You remember, I remember growing up and those footsteps. I was walking last night and I saw my own footsteps uh, from the day before in the snow, or rather this morning from last night. And I just brought back to memory that picture in the beach, right? When you see two sets of footsteps next to each other, and then you see uh, after a while it's only one set of footsteps. And then the question is, and it's the picture of God walking with us. And you say, well, why did you let me walk alone through that difficult part? And the answer, of course, is you didn't walk at all. I carried you through. The problem with the picture is that you ever see two sets of footsteps, So every time you put your foot in the sand, you're not exactly on the path, are you? You're right next to it. The true Christian life is just one set of footsteps where we constantly rely upon Jesus Christ and every now we try to put our own foot to the ground but quickly pull it up because it's beside the path. Simply following Jesus. No boasting. Let me give you the evidence of what boasting looks like. Because in the church where we can still look away from Christ at times. 1 Corinthians 3.3 Paul says you are still of the flesh. Doesn't mean they were living in just everybody was just living in sin like the devil. But listen, here's the definition. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Paul says you're fleshly. You're walking in the flesh and the evidence is your jealousy. And your strive. You're bumping heads because you're there. 
Because you say, I'm, look at me, and you're puffing up your chest, and the room is not big enough for all your big puffed up chests. What you need to do is on the ground, there's much more space there. And simply looking at Jesus, asking Him to help you. There is no sin that you struggle with. There is no situation in your life that you struggle with at this point right now where Jesus does not have an answer and where He cannot carry you through. He can lead you through everything. Let me give you another verse from Paul. Philippians 3 verse 3. For we are the circumcision, true circumcision, who worship you remember this verse? Who worship by the Spirit of God. You hear that? Not in your own strength, with your own muscle, your own diligence, but by the Spirit of God and glory. That's boasting, right? If you glorify yourself, you're boasting. But we glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. How much spiritual Or even living. How much living can you do, Paul? 2%? I mean, you're a Pharisee trained at the feet of Gamaliel. How much do you think you can really do, Paul? Nothing. Well, Well, you can say a nice word, right? You can say a good word to somebody. No, I cannot. Because when I do it in the flesh, it's out of jealousy, pride, it stinks, it's rottenness. Even if I help an old lady cross the street in my flesh, I'd still be proud about it. Even when no one saw it and she was blind and deaf and mute. I'd still be boasting. Because I would tell myself, look how good I am. I put no confidence in the flesh. I put all my confidence in the Spirit of God. How do you pray in the morning? Paul, how do you pray? Oh, well, in the Spirit. Well, how do you pray in the Spirit? I say, Spirit of God, help me to pray. I can't pray. I need you to to help me pray. Help me, Lord. How do you go to church on Sunday morning or meet your brothers and sisters and live like Christ throughout the week? How do you do that? I look at Jesus. I say, Lord, I believe you can help me with this. I I believe you can give me words to speak to my brothers and sisters to help them up. To comfort them. To strengthen them. Well how do you speak about those who live. 12 hour days in work. Well. Well life is not much different. Wherever you work. And, and so if I would. Like I do making tents. I ask the Lord to help me with everything. Lord. There's going to be difficult customers today. And if I try to do really good, I'm going to fail or be proud and then fail. Or fail in that. So Lord, show me the works of of my Father for me to walk in. Show me how you, you planned this day before I was born. Tomorrow, Monday, is planned by the Lord, if He still has me on this earth. It's planned by the Lord. Practical, eight-hour workday planned by the Lord. He knows I'm going to be there. He knows who I'm going to talk to. And He has a plan for me to get through that day glorifying God. So Lord, help me. I trust in You. 
And so, beloved, have you slipped into the confidence of the flesh? Are you still in the flesh when you came to church this morning? Trying to rely upon your own strength? Catching yourself off guard of saying something and you're so disappointed that you failed? The problem was not that you could fail. The problem is that you tried to do it in your own strength. Relying upon Jesus Christ requires a continuous search of getting to know God better day after day. Going further and further. In a way, I... Excuse me for the term, but the closest term I can think of is an addiction that drives you. Christ needs to become, and I mean this with all respect, the addiction of our soul and of our mind that we're constantly, we want more and more and more. And the more we have, the more we say, as the deer that pans for the water, I want more. That kind of life. A desperate yet joyful life of drinking and becoming more thirsty and yet being quenched all the time from the presence of God. Living not by sight, but by faith. Jesus lived like that. He says, I only do the works that I see my Father doing. Which means he had sight upon the Father 24-7. Whenever he was awake. This brings me to my last point. The law of faith's fruit of unity. Beloved, we live in a divided world. It is shocking in the seven years we've been here, how the world, how, how this country, and I'm sure my own country back home, how it gets more divided every single week. It almost seems to be that you cannot... I cannot even imagine what more division and what strangeness will enter into this world tomorrow. What crazy idea the prince of darkness infuses into our society tomorrow. And so the world is falling apart. The world is at war with itself. It wants love, but it fights constantly. It says it fights for love, but it cannot receive love nor give love. That's the world out there. Because it's a world that has turned its back upon God who is love. And you see, get a world that wants to use the word love but doesn't even know what it means. We live in a divided world. But oh, how different. A true expression of the church of Jesus Christ. This must be the safe haven. Whenever you're with your brothers or sister, a safe haven of sanity, of unity, of love, and humility. A church that walks in unity and is driven and moved in one direction by one spirit. I remember sitting in one of my favorite spots near home, back in my hometown in Heerden. And in that town, I, I always go to a, to a little bridge that uh, the Germans used to put anti aircraft uh, guns on. It's a little bridge, and they got cornfields next to it. And I was just thinking and pondering about the, 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 the fighting in the church and, and this unity and, and it was just hurting my heart and I was, I was asking God. Then a, a wind came up. Have you ever seen this when you're by? Well, of course you have. You're, you live around cornfields everywhere. 
But when, you're, when you look at a cornfield and a good strong wind comes, what happens to all the little, what do you ever call them at the top of a corn plant? Hmm? Tassels? Never knew. When the wind comes, all the tassels point the same direction. Right? The wind blows them all and you see it's almost like they're worshiping. Right? They all go, they're all kind of which way and then the wind comes, they all same direction. That's what the Spirit of God does. When it moves upon a church, we're all in our different direction, but when the Spirit of God comes, it all brings us in worship and obedience to the throne of God. That's unity. That's a true expression of the church of Jesus Christ, where the Spirit of God moves in worship and obedience in one direction. Now, we can't change it out there. We can't change the world out there. We, we should do whatever we can as citizens. Sure. We can't change all of them the same way. It's war out there, but it's peace in here. There should not be war in the camp, but only war at the front. And so, beloved, the law of faith causes us to be filled with love, filled with humility, and filled with unity. And so let us search our hearts. And the reason why I, I love this passage, I mean, the, the previous passage has all the big words, right? Uh, redemption and justification and all these big words. This, this doesn't have as many big words, but this is the beauty of the glory of the fruit of the gospel in the church. When we're truly redeemed and justified, we're broken. And so we can be moved in the same direction. And so let us never forget that the Christian life is by faith, not works, so that no man may boast, but that all Jews and Gentile may serve the same God in love, in humility, and in unity. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus Christ this morning for the unspeakable privilege of speaking the name of Christ and not yet being killed for it, but to receive and to see people, O Lord, that love to hear the name of Jesus. O Father, show us Christ this morning, this afternoon and this week, that even though we live in a war, that our hearts and our family will be at peace in the Lord Jesus Christ, united, unified as a humble people before the throne of God. For Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.